let's get into uh, tonight's message. Uh, we are on week three. Everybody say week three. We're on week three of a four-week series uh, called What's Next? And so uh, the conversation we've been kind of having is whatever stage of life you're in, uh, whether you just became a Christian, whether this is your first time at youth group, whether um, you went to camp and the camp was amazing and you're, and you're so on fire for God now, or, or, or whether you're kind of in the, in the middle of it. I've been a Christian for a while, but I, I'm just kind of like feeling stuck a little bit, or, or if you're like me and you're a pastor, or <laughs> which uh, some of you will be one day, amen, uh, or if, you know, wh- wherever you're at in life, there's always going to be the question of, what's next? There's always going to be something off in the distance. There's always going to be something else to achieve, and, so, and sometimes that can make us go a little bit crazy. Like, you, ever, you guys ever heard of, like, the celebrities that they get all this money, and, and it's always like, what's next? What's the n- next nicest car? What's the next biggest house? What's the next whatever? And there's always something what's next. And if you try and fill the void of what's next with, with temporary things, then you'll never be satisfied uh, in your life. And so if, if you answer the question of what's next with eternal things, then you'll find that satisfaction you're looking for. And it's not to say that you can't one day have the nice car and the big house or whatever. Like, maybe you can, but... Those are the things that those aren't the things that are going to sustain you. The thing that's going to sustain you is is Jesus, and your hope in Jesus. I, I I've seen, um, it, it's like the the difference between the richest people in the world. Sometimes they're the most miserable people in the world, and the poorest people on earth. You 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 see these videos of kids in Africa and 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 different like even maybe some kids that we're going to be feeding here in the near future. They're the happiest kids I've ever seen in my life. They're just, there's such big smiles on their face, and they're just enjoying playing soccer with, like, a ball of yarn. And, and you're wondering to yourself, why are they so happy, and why are the rich people so sad? And it's probably because the rich folks kept trying to attain the what's next. And they've realized that they've gotten to the end, and there's nothing left. That's good enough to sustain them, and then and then these these impoverished, poor people have they've got tough times. I'm not saying that they're happy all the time, but but they're joy filled, especially when 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 they're praising God and doing that. Why? Because they figured out what's next, and they figured out that this life is only temporary, and if they accept Jesus, then they can move on to eternity and 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 life there with all that. So, but with us. You guys have lives where you're going to school, you're going to work, you're doing these different things. Right now it's summer, you're playing video games all day, <laughs> hopefully not. but Or you're doing junior guards, or I don't know what kids do nowadays. But you're doing something, but you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I want to I know Jesus better. I want to know God better, but what's next? It's like going to an Avengers movie. Ever, anybody ever been to an Avengers movie? So what happens at the end of the Avengers movie? Everybody, <laughs> no. Yes. At the end of an Avengers movie, nobody gets up. And if someone gets up, you're like, boo. You know, you're like, you suck, you know. Nobody gets up. Why? Because they know what's next. And sometimes we're more excited about the end credit scene in an Avengers movie than we are about the entire movie. <laughs> right? There's been There's been times like, like uh, my good friend Caleb Cox, 
I don't know if he's watching right now, but if you're watching, I love you. Um, or if you're listening later, love you too. <laughs> All right. But but there, there's been a couple times that Caleb went and saw like an Avengers movie, and he goes, bruh, 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 bruh. What, what? Did you see the end credit, mo- the end credit scene? I was like, we didn't even talk about the movie yet. I know, I know, I know, I know. But did you see, like, what's going to happen next? It's like, why? So, like, sometimes we, we, we put, in today's society, we put so much weight on the what's next. That whatever's happening right now, yeah, that's cool, but, like, what's happening next? It's like, it, we'll, we'll be on our phones and we'll get, that's why we, our brains, we can't, like, hardly sit still, and I'm, I'm so bad at this, it's like, I'll be talking to somebody, or I'll be on my phone, or whatever, and then I'm looking for the next thing, what's next, okay, I was on Instagram, let's go to Twitter, I was on Twitter, let's go to YouTube, I was on YouTube, uh, Snapchat, I was on Snapchat, okay, let's go to Facebook, everyone's like, what's Facebook, and then, you know what I mean, it's like, you move around, because you're like, oh, what's next, I need, I need the next, like, the big thing, and, th- and that's how we are so many times, like, with the Avengers movies, like, okay, that's cool, but I really wanted this one moment of the what's next, because I want to know what's happening next in the story, and so with our lives, we get the same way. We get impatient, and sometimes we look so hard to the future that it's overwhelming, and we get stuck right where we're at. I see this so many times today. We see people that, um, it's kind of funny that, some of the older generations, they would just do whatever anybody told them. Hey, get to work doing this. Okay. And then they do that for 60 years and get their pension and retirement. And then and then life went by. Some of us, it's kind of the opposite nowadays where we're, we're like, oh, I want to achieve this. And I want to do this. And I want to do the big next thing. And then you're 28 years old and you haven't done anything yet. And you're like, wait a second. Something was supposed to happen in between there. But you got so caught up in the what's next that you didn't figure out what's happening in the now. Right? So we've answered a bit so far of the what's next question because it's such a big question and we hold so much weight on that question. Week one, we said we need to tell someone our story, right? If God's impacted your life, tell somebody about it. And we, and we, and we decided that we have to prepare for growing pains. Anytime you move into a next season of life, there's some growing pains. When you graduate from preschool to kindergarten, it's like, you're like all scared walking in. You ever seen like a little kindergartner go to school for the first time? They have their little backpack. They're so cute. But they're like, mom, no. And they're, the mom's like pushing them. Come on, you can go. Or from elementary school to middle school. It's like this huge jump. Oh, my goodness. Some of you are doing that jump this year. Or from middle school to high school. You're like, I remember when I was going from middle school to high school, I thought I was going to die, straight up. I was like, someone's going to bully me day one. Because, like, you know, you watch all those shows, and you're like, there's like, there's at least one aggressive school bully at high school. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in eighth grade going, I'm going into freshman. I might die. I might die. And, uh, and so it's like scary. You think about these things. Or, or the big one, right, when you go from high school to what's next or college or career or whatever and you're trying to figure out what's going on what am I going to do with my life and then sometimes you just find yourself 24 25 26 and you still haven't figured it out because the what's next is so scary but that's the point of this series that the what's next is not that scary and the what's next is not about what you're going to do but who you're going to become last week we talked about humility and letting your light shine and finding some good company along the way, right? So this week, we're going to work through chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. So open your Bibles up. 
we're in this book this whole time, Philippians. If you need a Bible, I think we don't have any left. I forgot to bring some down. <laughs> so uh, I'll do that next week, but I'll get you some, I promise. Um, but if you have your phone, there's a Bible app on there. You can open up your Bible app or your phone or your phone or your real Bible to Philippians. Give me a uh-huh when you're there. <laughs> he said uh-huh, and he's got his arms crossed in the front row. You're, you're not there. Just kidding. All right. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. So we're going to read a little bit. Uh, usually I get a little bit scared of reading a lot because you guys are young and your attention span is a little short. But I'm not going to apologize because this is the word of God and it's good. Amen. Um, so here we go. Verse one in chapter three, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Everybody say the dogs. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. You're like, what does that even mean? So he doesn't, Paul's not, he doesn't mean actual dogs here. Dog, it, it, it's kind of an ironic term. So dogs was a, was a term back then um, that, that the Jewish people would use to describe Gentiles. Like they were dirty. Like they're just dogs. We use words today in reference to dogs that are not very nice either. Right? And so this is what is happening here. There's this, this term that's to describe the Gentiles, but Paul is writing to... The Gentiles, and so it's kind of funny because he's saying that, ironically, that the Jewish people are the dogs, and the Jewish people are the evildoers, and not to say, and, and this is, let me clarify real quick. He's talking about the religious and the oppressive people, he's not saying that Jewish people, just because they're Jewish, are terrible. That's, he's not being racist, <laughs> He's saying that the, the, the people, like he used to be, the people who are persecuting Christians, who are killing Christians, who are, who are upset at Christians just for being Christians, he said they're evildoers. Does that make sense, everybody? I want to make, make sure that's super, super clear. We're not, I'm not preaching that Jewish people are bad because <laughs> they're not. One of my best friends in the world is Jewish. Shout out, Garrett, if you're watching this. Love you. Um. But, but, but like I said, Paul is saying the people who are, who are overly religious, who are persecuting Christians or people of the way, they're the evil people. And, and right in this time frame, a lot of those people are Jewish. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And you're like, okay, Brett, I'm a little uncomfy. You said the C word. And... So listen, listen up. Let's be mature for a sec. The idea of circumcision, if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to explain it. But the idea of it was, was, was something to set people apart in the, Old, in the Old Testament. It was an idea that would set people apart physically, obviously, uh, from other people. So the Jewish people were circumcised and, the, and, and everybody else was not. So it was something that set them apart. So what Paul is saying here is that we are now circumcised in the spirit, meaning that we are set apart, not because of things done to our flesh, but things done to our spirit, right? So we, we're set apart because of who we are in Christ, not who we are in the world, not because you cut your hair differently, not because you wear weird clothes, not because, whatever, that doesn't matter, you're set apart because of who you are in Christ, amen? I know it's silly, I know it's funny, you guys are like, but 
But it's true. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul is saying he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So Paul is saying on all accords, on paper, he's just like the people he's calling dogs. And he's accepted by them. But he says, verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Everybody say rubbish. Rubbish. Okay. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may be know, that I may know him, flip the page, in the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrec- resurrection from the dead. By any means possible. What that means is like, is he saying that he he wants to physically raise from the dead by any means possible? No. What he's saying is by any means possible, I want to be with Jesus one day. By any means possible, I want to end up on the right side of eternity. So and if we're looking at this, we see that Paul had this life that he was proud of. He had all these accolades. He was high up in this kind of uh, the religious sector. He was high up in this. And he says, I count that all as loss. I get rid of everything I was, all the accolades. I get rid of all of that for the sake of Christ. And sometimes we need to do that in our lives too. Whoever you were before you accepted Christ, however popular you were or not popular you were, sometimes we need to count that all as lost for the sake of Christ. Amen? So number one, my first point is a new identity. Everybody say a new identity. So like I explained a little bit while reading, Paul is saying that the things that are supposed to define the children of God no longer do, and the things that defined him in his sinful past no longer do either. Our identity is in the spirit and not in the flesh. Our righteousness, my righteousness, your righteousness, comes from Christ alone. It doesn't come from anything you do. It's good to be a good person. It's good to respect your parents. It's good to do all those things because that shows that Christ is in your life, but those are not the things that make you righteous. The thing that makes you righteous is your salvation in Christ. Amen? But it's still good to live a righteous life. But what I'm saying is the thing that we're going to be judged by at the end of days is Jesus. The Bible says that, that God will see us as, as, as the righteousness of Christ, Right? So the big question I would ask you today, the big question, and I want you to think about this, is who are you? Who are you really? Not what's your name, not what grade are you in, not what do you do for fun, but who are you? What are your defining traits? When people think about you, What is the first thing they think about? And is it Jesus? 
Is it your faith in Christ? Because I know in, that, in this day, when the first thing that people thought about Paul was either the amount of times he got shipwrecked or how he loved Jesus. For me, when, I, when people think about me, I, th- I want them to think about how much I love Jesus. Amen? And I do other things. I love to play sports. I love to play music and sing and do all those kind of things. And, but I don't know that I want to be defined by those things. I want to be defined by my love for Christ. Amen? And so not saying that you guys can't do all the other stuff. You could do amazing things. But maybe, just maybe, we can be defined by our love for Christ. When you follow Christ, your identity is found in him. But you have to start living that way for the world to see it too. So we can, I can tell you all day, every day that your identity is found in Christ. You're not who the world says you are, blah, blah, blah. But until you start living it and instil, until you start believing it, nobody else will believe it either. Amen? And if, and if you find your identity in things of this world, it's going to run out really quick. Like if I find my identity in being a keyboard player, a piano player, the minute I meet someone who's way better than me, which I do all the time, then my identity's shot. I'm like, I suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I'm terrible. Or if my identity's found in playing football, the, the, the minute I don't make it or I don't throw a good pass or my arm gives out or whatever, then I'm like, ah, I'm no longer who I thought I was. But if my identity's found in loving Christ, nobody could take that from me. And I determine how much I love Christ. So no one can love Christ more than me because I'll determine how much I love him. Amen? It's like the light of the world topic. You're a light, but you decide whether or not to hide your light or to shine it. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we, so at the beginning At the very beginning of this whole thing, in Genesis, first book of the Bible, our identity was found in what? God, right? We were made in his image. And then the fall happened, and then everyone's identity started being defined by the certain clothes they wear, the way they cut their hair, the way they, the way their body looks, the way different things, right? The way, where they live. All the identity, all the identity identifying factors, there we go, boom, all all the identifying factors of the Israelites back in the day after the fall were physical things. If you think about it, except for the one thing that that was hanging on by a thread all the way through is that that they were identified by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But but when you looked at, how, how do I know if you're a Israelite or not? It's usually by the physical things. But when Jesus came, he flipped the script again. Our identity, once again, became about God. Our identity was found in Christ, just as it was in the beginning. God's goal has been, this whole time, to take us back to the garden. The, the, the first moment where we were so close, where we are, our identity was rooted in him, and we, were, and we were taking care of the earth, and we were living in harmony, everything was good. And then after the fall, the whole goal, the whole time has been to take us back to that place. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he took us back to our identity at the beginning, which was in God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So embrace the new. Ask yourself this question every day. How am I becoming more like Christ today? How am I becoming less like myself yesterday and more like Christ today? 
What, what things are happening in my life where I'm moving forward, I'm changing. I'm becoming a new person. People will say to you after you've accepted Christ, they'll say oftentimes, you've, you've changed. Who's ever heard that? You've changed. Wow. Wow. Used to be so cool, but you've changed. And you'll answer them, yes, I have. I have changed. Because God's doing a work in me, and he's faithful to complete it. Right? And if you don't want to be all that Christianese or whatever, <laughs> so it's like, you've changed. But yeah, I have. I, I, I just, I'm becoming a better person. I'm becoming more like Jesus. And I think that's what I need to do. Well, you used to go to parties with me and used to drink and stuff and used to cuss a lot with me. And it was just really fun when we used to do that. And you'd be like, hey, we can still have fun. We don't got to do those things. We still have a blast. You want to come to youth with me? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever it is, they're like, the, the, the crazy thing is more often than not, people are actually more open to coming to youth group and coming to camp and coming to events than you think they are. Sometimes the biggest part is just them knowing that someone wants them to come to it. Hey, you want to go with me to this? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Say less. Let's do it. You know what I mean? And, and if they come and they don't like it, that's not on you. That's okay. But oftentimes people will come, they'll enjoy it, they'll have a good, good time, and they'll realize that there's something bigger than themselves. There's something more to this life than just living day by day. There's something more to this life, and it's Jesus. And if I can live for Jesus, I'll be fulfilled in this life, and I won't always be asking, what's next? Okay, let's keep reading. Next one. <laughs> Everybody go to verse 12. We're going to read to verse 17. Everybody there? All right, verse 12. Not that I have already attain, obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way and if anything and if anything and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us so number two everybody say number two number two is perseverance what Paul's saying here is that no matter what, he, he goes, I haven't attained much anymore. I don't do a whole lot. But the one thing I have attained is that I'll keep pressing on towards the goal. To hear that call from God. To be with Jesus one day. And to bring as much people as I possibly can with me. And so what does perseverance mean? It means that you keep going no matter what. That you forget about the past and you press on. Amen? Here's the thing, though, everybody. Listen up. You will mess up. Raise your hand if you've ever messed up before. It's cool. I mess up all the time. You can ask Danielle. <laughs> I do. We all mess up. But the thing that's going to separate you from somebody else is not how many times you mess up, but how many times you get up. How many times you keep moving forward? How many times you keep going? How many times, right? I think of Captain America. Who's ever seen Captain America? Right? It's like, what's the guy's name? Steve Rogers? Is that it? 
Let's go. Steve Rogers, little little old Steve in the first movie. Everybody remember him? He's like this tall, scrawny little dude. And he's like, I'm going to be in the army, you know. And everyone's like, dude, no, you're not. Like, you should do something else. Like, like balloon animals at a restaurant or something. And he and he's like, which actually the people that can do that, that's sick. That's actually dope. I've, I've always tried, but I can't ever do it. So, you know me. I'm the type of guy who would totally do balloon animals at a restaurant, but... Anyway, so Steve Rogers is like, he, I want to be in the, I want to be in the army, I want to be in the military, I want to do this, and everyone's like, dude, I don't know that that's gonna work. He's like, I'm gonna do it, and and there's scenes in that first movie where he's getting just beat up in these in these alleyways, just getting pummeled by these these massive dudes, and he's like, ah. and you know what, you know what, always, you know what Steve always did, he always got up, and he kept fighting. All right, and he he always, for whatever reason he always thought he was gonna win. He's like this tiny little man fighting these giant, and he gets up, and he's like, all right, give me your best shot. And he's like, oh, serious? Boom! You know, and he's like just getting lit up every time. And that's sometimes how we feel in life. That's sometimes how I feel in life. God, I keep getting up, but I just keep getting KO'd. Like, just haymaker to the face, roundhouse kick to the face. And I, I, I just keep getting up, but it's hard, man. Who's ever felt that way? Like, it's hard. I keep getting smacked. I got a test back, and I was really hoping for an A because I would have got into, I would have got good grades and maybe gotten the right college, but it came back as a B. Ugh. Right? Or I thought I was going to get that job, and I didn't get that. I, I, they said no. I thought I was going to get into this college, and they said no. My best friend doesn't like me anymore. We're not friends anymore. Right? Or, 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 or my boyfriend or my girlfriend broke up with me, and I just, I just keep getting hit. I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to get back up from this. But Steve Rogers' heart was the thing that separated him from everybody else. Everybody else in the military was big, strong, and brave, and yay. (laughs) But Steve, small in stature, and small in physical ability, had the biggest heart of them all. And because he had this big heart, someone sought him out, and someone gave him the opportunity to become stronger by means of something else. And it's the same way with us. As our heart is big and as our heart grows and as we keep getting back up, there's somebody there picking us back up saying, you're not alone and I'll give you the opportunity to be stronger than you've ever known. And it's by means of something that's not us. Captain America didn't become Captain America because, like, he just wanted to. He did because he had heart and because of something outside of his control. It's the same thing with us. Sometimes, we're, If it's all on us, if it's all on our strength, we're going to fail just like Steve did. We'll have a lot of heart, but we'll get beat up in the alley. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm, I keep getting back up. Yeah, but you just keep getting knocked out, homie, right? So what happens is, is if we pair our heart with God's power, then we can't lose. If we acknowledge our weaknesses but, but, but have a heart for Christ, then we can, we can move mountains. The Bible says a faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. All you need is just a little bit. Amen? You might be asking, Brett, how do I keep going? It's, it's hard. I get distracted. I start hanging out with the wrong people. I go to school and then every, I forget about God and church and all this kind of stuff. I, get, I just get distracted. It's hard for me to keep going and I found myself like falling off. I was so excited after camp. I was so excited after that one service, and I felt like God was really speaking to me. And then a couple weeks later, I just felt like it kind of doled off, and I didn't feel like God was there anymore. Anybody ever felt that way? 
Proverbs 4, 25, and 26. Remember what I said last week about Proverbs? I read a proverb. It's going to be good. It says, let your eyes look directly forward. And your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. So you're asking me, how, Brett, how do I keep going? How do I keep persevering if I get so distracted? Let your eyes look directly forward. And gaze, let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. And then all your ways will be sure. So think about it. Ponder it. Where am I going? How do I get there? What are, what are the small steps in the right direction that I can take? Anybody ever seen one of those, like, like those, those memes about, like, the big ladder steps and then the small ones and the person with the small steps got there quicker because the first person couldn't even reach the first ladder? It's like that in our lives. We, 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 we think of what's next. and It's like today. It's like, what's next? I'm going to become a YouTuber and I'm going to be a millionaire. It's what's next. It's what God has for me. Follow me on Twitch. Right? <laughs> or whatever it is. The, the what's next is like this big giant thing. And, that's, and if that's your dream, hey, let's get there. <laughs> let's figure it out. But you're not going to get there by just jumping there. What's next? I want to be a pastor one day. I have had this conversation with so many people. I want to be a pastor one day. Okay, so what's the next step? Well, I just thought I'd be a pastor. <laughs> it's like, no, no, there's steps <laughs> in between to get there. Like, what, what do you want to do? I want to be a manager in and out. Okay, cool. What's the next step? If you ever worked at in and out you know that there's a lot of steps <laughs> to get there, right? It's not going to happen quick. But you ponder it, and you think about it every day. You ponder it, and you think about it. And you set your eyes on it. Even if you fell off, even if you got distracted, get back to it. Where are my feet stepping? It's like slacklining. Everybody did anybody ever done a slackline? I did this with uh, Jake and Caleb one time, and I sucked. I was terrible. I fell over so many times, it was ridiculous. But, and one time I like had my hands in my pockets or something. I can't remember, and I like fell on my face, but it was fine. It's cool. I'm good. I'm okay. Thanks for checking. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I did notice, the one thing I noticed is that if I, if I just looked down at my feet, my direction would be off. And if I just looked ahead, I'd miss a step. And so... I noticed that the most productive tries that I had on the slack line was when I balanced looking forward and looking down. And if I did them in sync while having good balance, I could get pretty far across. It's knowing where my feet are going and knowing where my body's headed. Does that make sense? It's, it's knowing the small steps while knowing the ultimate goal. And that's how it is in our life. You've you got to know the small steps. I want to be a pastor. Okay, well, I'm going to start studying my word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe do an internship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to college, right? I'm going to serve at, at, at church every opportunity I have, every time the doors are open, right? Knowing all the time that the end goal is over here to become a pastor, right? Or I'm going I'm to be a famous artist. Okay, I'm going to draw every day. I'm going to do my thing every day. I'm going to start send, sending my stuff to people and asking them what they think. I'm going to, right, I'm going to go to the local art gallery and put my stuff up for sale, right? I'm going to be doing this all with the same goal that you're going to be professional one day. But it all t- if, you, if you don't have the end goal, then you'll do the small stuff forever. 
And if you, all you have is the end goal, you'll never get there. <laughs> you, could, you could stand on the end of the slack line and look at the end and <laughs> all you want, and you'll never get there if you don't take the steps to get there. Amen? If I constantly look at my feet, my direction and my, my momentum will be off. If I constantly look forward, I'll miss a step and I'll fall off. So here's the question. Where do you want to be and who do you want to be when you get there? Think about that. I don't have any homework this week. These, these, are just the, these are the two questions I want you to contemplate. Besides reading this chapter again, it's really good. Read it again. But the two questions I want you to contemplate this week is where do I want to be and who do I want to be when I get there? And I think if you will answer those two questions in, in a way that glorifies God, you might just start figuring this thing called life out. Where do I want to be and who do I want to be when I get there? And the more important answer is the who do I want to be? Because we can all do different things. We, can, we all have different gifts and talents, and we can all do different jobs. And some of us are going to be, like Gianna's going to be a professional skater probably. I could see it. <laughs> or, you know, you know, we're all going to do different things. Everyone's got different stuff going on. Kevin's going to be a professional guitarist touring with, like, Beyonce or something. I don't know. But, like, Sarah's like, not Beyonce, tour somebody else, boy. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know. Like, we're all going to be doing different things. Beckett's going to be a professional volleyball player because he's going to be seven feet tall and, and, uh, and they can't hit the ball over him. Right? All of us are going to do different things. But who are we going to be when we get there? I'm not asking all of you to be pastors. I'm not asking all of you to be ministers. But I'm asking all of you to be carriers of the gospel. I'm asking all of you to be more like Christ each and every day. So that whatever your goal in life is, where do I want to go? Okay, awesome. Now, who do I want to be when I get there? Amen? Be conscious and be pointed about those things. And the question, what's next, won't be so much of a mystery anymore. If, if you take the small steps and know the direction you're going, the question of what's next won't be so hard. When I'm on the slack line, I know what's next. What's next? I'm going to plant my foot. It's simple. It gets more simple if you know where you're going and how to get there. Does that make sense? So where am I going to go, and who am I going to be when I get there? Let's stand up. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We worship you today. God, help us to know where you want us to go. Help us to follow you and not ask you to follow us. Help us, Lord, to, to, to just be led by your will in each and every moment. God, help us to know who you are throughout this whole thing, God. And help us to be who you want us to be when we get there. Help us to be more like you each and every day. God, help us, Lord, to persevere, to get up, to keep getting up like Captain America. God, help us, help us to, even if we get knocked down, even if we get beat up a little bit, God, help us to keep getting up and keep pursuing you because it's about our heart and what you can do with that and it's not about what we can do on our own. So God, help us not to try and live this life on our own strength and help us not to try and fill the void with temporary things, but help us to fill the void with you. Help us to fill it with your heart. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.